gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I will be your host for the next little bit while we do this podcast. And we are in Studio 54, which is located in Midtown with producer Kyle. Are you going to yell at me this podcast, or am I, eh, am I good? We'll see. It depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. What I, is it, Wednesday? Thursday? It's Thursday. Around I, 1 o'clock? I have I been told know, quite a few right. people liked it. They, I, they asked if I was prepared, and I was like, I didn't really know where she was going, so I just had to be ready to defend myself. Well, I feel like you should get at least some criticism, most podcasts, because you literally do no work, and you get the title of producer. And you put it in your Twitter profile, like, I'm the producer of a, yeah, but of a podcast. You, you yelled at me that my Twitter profile had nothing in it, because people were actually tagging, or you were tagging me, and people were responding, so I needed to put something in there, and I, yelled I, I had at you to change more my profile picture. Twitter handle, which I didn't even understand what it was, just, and yes. And the picture, which yeah. was you in a mask. So it was me in the Iron Man mask. It's a pretty awesome picture that I'm very proud of, and you made me change it. So now it's you, me, and Katie Nolan, which I guess is a pretty cool picture as well. That's a better picture. All right, guys, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals today. We're also going to get into how Mets fans treat me at City Field, which a lot of people have asked me about and I haven't really got into in this podcast, which I think will be interesting for people to hear because it's not what you think. And later on the podcast, we're going to have Jim Brewer, who's going to call in, Mets super fan, and he's got a new album. So we'll talk to him about that. But first, I wanted to talk about something that I got this week. And I'm not 100% sure why I got it. Uh, I got a Fitbit. And I got it because a couple of the people in the office were doing like a Fitbit challenge. And they were seeing how, how many steps everyone could get. And they were all kind of being competitive and talking about it. And I'm a pretty competitive person. So I was like, what are you guys talking about? And they were like, Fitbit, you should get one and participate. So I got one just a couple days ago, and my hesitation about getting one a couple of months ago when I talked to somebody about getting one was the exact reason that I thought was a bad idea to get one, which is you try and reach a certain goal, right? You get, you're supposed to get 10,000 steps in a day. And if you don't get that goal, one, you feel less than, and two, you end up doing stuff during the day, and especially at the, towards the end of the day, to try and reach that goal that makes you look ridiculous, like running up and down your hall. Or some guy was like, oh, I just attach it to my dog, and he just runs around, and I get my steps that way. But that's cheating. Both of those are cheating, honestly. No, no, running up and down your hall isn't cheating. It's kind of cheating it's because just weird. if you didn't have a Fitbit, and you're not going to wear a Fitbit for the rest of your life, let's be honest... You wouldn't be doing that. So it's not like you're incorporating behavior. It's not like parking your car a little bit further away or taking the stairs, which is what they recommend people do anyway. And that stuff is counted in your Fitbit. It's doing something that's completely out of the ordinary and probably is waking up your neighbors. And it's not incorporated in your normal routine. Once you lose the Fitbit, there's no reason to be doing that anymore. And you lose that activity. Do you have your phone on you at all times? Yes. So why do you need the Fitbit to count steps? Because it drains the battery. I that mean, app ruins your battery if you have it all the time counting steps. I, I'm I'm super into fitness, as you can tell, but I have the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, why am I even having this conversation know, with you? Maybe Jim are. Brewer would be a better person to have this conversation well, with. All right, so I have the MyFitness app, uh-huh. the MyFitnessPro thing on yeah. my iPhone. And you it run a little bit. Steps. I do. I uh-huh. ran yesterday. It was awful. I'm never doing it again, except uh-huh. for tomorrow. Um, it tracks my steps, and it doesn't kill my battery. And I have my phone on me at all the time, which is why I don't have a Fitbit. How often are you near a plug where you can charge your phone? Pretty often. Right, where I'm not. I'm always on the go out at City Field or, you know, running around to all these different places in the city. I don't have any, you know, I don't want to get that huge thing that you click your phone into to keep it charged because that doesn't make any sense to me. 
Okay, I, it's I just listen. bulky and dumb. I, so. I just I have my phone on me at all times, so I don't see why I would want or need a Fitbit. Even when I go running, like I have my phone in my hand or on that armband, so I'm. Well, it also doubles as a cool little watch, so see, that I, helps I wear too. an actual watch that looks nice, but that doesn't count your steps. Mm. I believe if you had something that counted your steps that you could look at on your wrist every five seconds and really saw your progress, you might, you know, especially if you could compete with other people, you might change your mind. Nah, I, I could look on my phone for it. I'm I'm over it. But Alexa's promoing Fitbits, so maybe. Maybe we'll get a few free ones through the podcast. They'll be all like, hey, Fitbit. Never. They hand out nothing free. Okay. Uh, moving on. So, how Mets fans treat me at City Field is a question that I've gotten from a lot of people recently. And it's always been pretty positive. People come up to me and they say, hey, Alexa, we really enjoy your work, even though I don't really know what they're talking about because I really don't do anything out there. I provide entertainment between innings when there's literally nothing going on. So, it's it's you know, you either stare down at your phone or you stare up at a giant screen. Either way, you're looking at a screen of somebody and uh, on one of those screens, it happens to be me. And I have a lot of fun doing what I do. We work really hard, but um, enjoying my work, I think, is is an interesting way that people compliment me that um, that I'm very humbled by. But I don't, you know, I don't really understand what they're talking about. But I, you know, we really have a lot of fun. But what the main point that I'm trying to get to is that when people come out to City Field and they come up to me and they compliment me, I'm usually like, "Thanks so much. I appreciate it. What's your name?" You know, are you enjoying the game? Where are you from? Have a little conversation. Recently, though, people have been saying some really weird things to me, and I haven't known how to react and what to say back. So, like, this one guy comes up to me the other day, and he said, man, you look a lot better in person. And he said it just like that. Not like, whoa, you look a lot better in person. He was like, almost like he was disappointed. Is he creeping on you in photos? Like, I thought you were going to be ugly. You look a lot better in person. Hmm. Damn, I was wrong about you being ugly. I was really wrong about that. And I was like, "Oh, thanks." And he's like, "Well, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just telling you the truth." And I was like, "Okay." And listen, the camera adds ten pounds, sure. So if you wanted to say that I was fat, that's fine. But fat and ugly, you're not even gonna give me one or the other. You're not even gonna be like, "Oh, you, you know, you looked fatter on TV. You looked slimmer in person." Well, that's fine. Sure, I'll take that because that's kind of the case for everyone. But like just straight up ugly. That was that was a lot. That was a lot to take. Maybe all he's actually seen of you not in person is just the bucket hat uh, <laughs> promos. So like that's the only thing he has to reference by, and he's just con- you know mixing you with the bucket hat together. I mean, so. I can't say anything negative about the bucket hat because it's love the greatest the thing hat. ever. Yeah. Yes, it is. The thing that also bothered me too is that he was with his two younger daughters, and for a grown man to go up to a grown woman and call her essentially ugly to her face in front of his two young daughters. I was like, I kind of want to be like, dude, what's wrong with you? And these poor girls, you're setting a terrible example. So that was one thing that I was kind of uh, blown away by. And I get called you know, ugly on Twitter every once in a while, which I think is really entertaining. But to, to have the balls to say it in my face, I was very, uh, I was a little taken aback. The other thing that happened was somebody asked to take a picture with me And it was an older woman, and she said, you know, I really, really want you to look very pretty for this picture. And I said, okay. She goes, so uh, can you put some lipstick on? And I was like, "Uh, um, I don't really have time. Like, no, I'm just coming up with excuses and kind of fumbling because I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? What do you mean put lipstick on? So instead of obliging her request, I, like, licked my lips to, like, make them look, you know, like I had chapstick on or something. Does that work? And, well, it really backfired on me because the guy who was sitting behind her 
saw the her I guess her husband took the picture he saw the husband take the picture and the husband was like no no no, we got to do it again because I was licking my lips in the photo and when the husband was like we have to do it again the guy behind him was like next time more tongue and the whole section started laughing and everyone thought it was hilarious and I'm like okay I guess this is how I get treated now because people can feel like they can say whatever they want at any point in any at time you know and and that's fine but like I'm just getting more and more used to it as as time goes on the other thing that people are doing which it doesn't bother me as much but is starting to grow is that people are calling me Rosenberg's wife they know you have a name right right and not that I expect them because I'm you know Peter is well beyond you know my level of fame if that's what we want to call it just in terms of how people know me but you know he's you know he's got two full-time jobs. He's on the morning show on Hot 97 and Afternoon Drive on ESPN. The guy has like 17 jobs. So people are getting to know him a lot more. And Peter talks about me a lot on the radio and puts me on Instagram a lot. And I don't have a problem with that. That's not something that concerns me. What concerns me is that when people say Rosenberg's wife, one, if you know that my last name's Rosenberg, why can't you either say like, "Hey Mrs. Rosenberg" or like, hey, are you Peter Rosenberg's wife? Or nice to meet you, Peter Rosenberg's wife. But like, yo, Rosenberg's wife. And they expect me to turn around and answer to that. It gets a little tough. Now, the harder part is when they just start shouting out Peter Rosenberg. Because I had a guy yesterday who was just like, Peter Rosenberg. And I'm like, that is definitely not my name. Like, you didn't even try there. There was no effort put in. You just shouted my husband's name and expected me to turn around. And, but what ended up happening was the cake, you know, the icing on the cake was that when I turned around, he was like, yo, you're a pug. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's funny. So that made me laugh. But when people just start shouting out Peter Rosenberg and expect me to, to answer, it's getting a little, it's getting a little sick. I mean, I guess that's better than Hey Blondie, because that would be like the other way I guess they could get your attention. Yeah, Hey Blondie wouldn't be my favorite yeah, thing either. Yeah, I don't either. think that would go over too well. But like, just shouting out somebody as a possession of somebody else is what is a little tough. And you do kind of announce yourself in the game, like when that first, hi, I'm Alexa, and then whatever crazy thing you're doing around the field, if it's sitting in the outfield Camaro or getting a kid to run around, like, you do sort of say your name to the crowd. So yeah, they I say my like, name probably like five or six yeah, times during the game. They might be capable of remembering you, but I, I want to know when these interactions happen. Are they early in the game or later in the game? Because I know when I go to baseball games, it's a beer event it's right. a beer garden in which things happen in the middle right and i guess that thing would be baseball yeah so i feel like maybe if these interactions are later people have had a little bit too much to drink and so that's a why lot they of it happens this. when they first see me when i first get out there okay and it's like rosenberg's wife rosenberg's wife and they just try to get my attention to turn around and then a lot of it i guess yeah happens later on during the game yesterday the peter rosenberg happened way late in the game and so i don't really blame that guy i mean we were in the fucking 13th inning because the Mets couldn't get a hit. You so, gotta love baseball, right? At that point, I can't really blame the fans. I mean, it's just, it was cute at first and it's getting a little old and now I'm probably going to get way more of it because I yeah, cause you've aired talked your about grievances. it on the podcast. You've made a terrible yeah. mistake. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, honestly, the, the guy with the daughters was the worst part and I'm sure I'm going to get tons of it and a lot more of it and now I'm more prepared because I can just be like, hey, you know, you look way better on TV too. Oh, wait, that's right. You're not. Oh, so now you're just going to go okay. full sassy with everyone who's giving you... I could just turn heel. Yeah. I could just totally turn heel and become a bad guy to people that are mean or rude to me. Not people that call me Rosenberg's wife. That's not, you know, 
mean or rude. I feel like it bothers you just a little bit, but it's not. It's like of the things that bother you, it's right. pretty far down there. Right. I mean, I probably get it. I'm not even kidding. 25 times a game. That's a lot. That's a lot for somebody to just shout out, you're Rosenberg's wife. That's a lot. But when somebody just flat out says something rude to my face, that's where I might be like, oh, you know what? I haven't seen your commercials with the bucket hat. <laughs> you're just rocking out that folded up hat on your head. You know, I'd love to see you in that hat. <laughs> When's the next bucket hat day? It's coming up. It's coming up, Kyle. It's coming up soon. Speaking of turning heel, I was reading the New York Times this weekend. Actually, my father-in-law was. He sent me this article called Is Everything Wrestling? by Jeremy Gordon. And it was a really interesting story about how the storyline of wrestling and how it evolves and how fans follow the story and how these characters grow essentially boils over into everything else in our lives, into reality TV, into politics, into sports. And I basically resonated with the sports analogy the most because he was talking a lot about, you know, the LeBrons, the Steph Currys, and that kind of a thing. And I'm watching this unfold. Steph Curry's becoming more and more of a heel. And people are starting to jump onto the we hate the Warriors bandwagon because they're just so good. Because that's what happens. As a team gets better and better and better, people love watching them. They're super skilled. They're really impressive. People talk about how awesome they are. And then the scales start to tip. And people start going the other way. Oh, these guys are so good. You know, they're, they're arrogant. They do the shimmy. They're constantly throwing it in their opponent's faces. So you watch people slowly come down the other side. And as this team, and especially Curry to me, turns heel, it's going to be really interesting to watch LeBron, who was the heel, now turn in wrestling, and I can't believe I'm using this term. Peter's going to be so happy. Oh my gosh. Now turn babyface, which means he's becoming a good guy. So in this series to me, and it happened super quickly, LeBron is the good guy, and Steph's kind of turning into be the bad guy, because he can end up being so hateful because he's so good, and people start to hate on that. When he hit that shot towards the end of the game on Monday, yeah, and he sort of just like walked to half court, and he was right by um, E40, and he was just sort of like staring out into the crowd. Yeah, I would have loved if that happened at Oklahoma. Like if he did that at OKC, <laughs> that would have been the ultimate heel turn right there, just like staring. But he, I mean, that in that essence, he was amongst his fans, so he was just sort of like everyone bask in my glory because I just did this ridiculous thing and, you know, the game's essentially over now, even though they were only up by six and I guess you could maybe say that Oklahoma would come back, but everyone knew it was over at that point. He did too, the way he just sort of stood there with his chest out and he's just high-fiving E40 and everyone else and, you know, basking in his brilliance and letting all of his Golden State fans sort of look at him and give him all the adoration that he can possibly get. Yeah, and the storyline's now becoming the Golden State Warriors are a little beat up. You know, they've been through a lot this season. They've sacrificed a lot. They've got a lot of injuries to get here. And you've got a very healthy Cavs team led by LeBron, who's trying to bring a championship back to his hometown. And now all of a sudden, LeBron is the hometown guy who's just trying to win it for his roots and from where he came from. And you've got Steph, who's rubbing it at everyone's face and the back-to-back. And, you know, he's got his daughter, who in the press conferences is coming out doing her little wave. You've got Aisha Curry, who's doing her, you know, little dances and stuff in the commercials. I mean, this whole family in a sense, is helping Steph along with the storyline of turning heel, whereas LeBron's just kind of sitting back, Kyrie and Kevin Love, and they're just kind of, you know, they're like the shoulder shrug guys at this point, where they're coming into this, and 
you've got people who are actually saying that they are pulling for LeBron because of what LeBron's trying to do for his hometown. And that was absolutely not the case a couple years ago when he went to Miami and became part of the big three. And basically, you know, what people say about the Yankees, bought championships. So it's just so interesting to watch how wrestling and uh, basketball, but that was what the point of this article is everything wrestling, goes along because people just, they the pendulum always swings the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about is everything wrestling? Just look at LeBron's storyline. He was the face when he started out in Cleveland, got him to the playoffs, saw that he couldn't do it there any further, had the announcement, that was his, had the decision, that was his big heel turn, goes, joins up with the evil empire in Miami, wins his championships, and then he decides, you know what, I want to be the face again, I'm going to come home, I'm going to do this, he was hated, he was loved, he was hated, now he's sort of loved again, and he'll be revered if he wins these finals. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting, game one is tonight, and, you know, it's, it's going to be an awesome matchup, the matchup that everyone wanted to see, and we'll see how it plays out. My prediction, I think it goes seven, because I think that these two are such, you know, such warriors, such champions. I think it goes seven, and I think LeBron pulls it out. I kind of agree with you. That's sort of what everyone was saying last year, too. It was the, if love was healthy, do the Cavs win the whole thing? Because those games were fairly close last year. And I think now you get that rematch everyone sort of wanted where, okay, it's the full Cavaliers team versus the full Warriors team. Like, let's see what happens. And I think with that added bonus of Kevin Love being in this full finals, you're going to get what maybe should have happened last year with LeBron winning another championship, this time in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be awesome. It's a it's <clears throat> the matchup of uh, of the ratings dream, so... They're absolutely happy that they got that. Although I was really pulling for for OKC, and I really I would have loved to see what Durant and Westbrook could have done against LeBron. I'm really curious as to what's going to happen with Durant at this point. Now, I mean, we've heard him talk to Boston a little bit. He said he doesn't want to have a huge free agency tour, which I agree with him for. And you know, he's not that kind of a guy to begin with. I think he should stay because I think that there's a chance that he could you know get to that pinnacle next season with Westbrook. And then potentially the year after that, which is when the salary cap's going to go you know, through the roof, he can get a huge contract if he wants to leave. But I think one more year. I mean, that town, if you've ever been to Oklahoma City, that town that is literally built around Kevin Durant. The economy, you know, it's like that song, Cleveland Town. Have you heard the song, Cleveland yeah. Town? Yeah. It's like that, you know, our, our economy is based on LeBron James, which is what they say. Oklahoma City is based on Kevin Durant. There are posters of him everywhere. It's like hollowed ground for him. And it would be a really, it would be a shame to see him leave before he was able to actually do everything he thought possible there first. But we'll see. So speaking of famous people, Peter did a really funny bit on the Michael K show the other day where they listed the top 10 most famous New York athletes and how their fame transfers basically around the world. Current athletes, athletes that are playing right now, and definitely athletes, not managers, not anyone in the front office. So they whittled it down to, and Carmelo was in the conversation. He was both of their second choices, but their number one choices was between him and Don LaGreca. Peter had said that Eli Manning was the most famous, and Don had said that Alex Rodriguez was the most famous. So what I said was I agreed that Alex Rodriguez was the most famous. And Peter and I had a debate back and forth. 
And so we put their pictures, A-Rod and Eli, side by side and sent the image to a bunch of our friends and family and wanted to get feedback as to who these people were. And so we told our friends and family, no looking them up, just give me a snap judgment decision on who you think these people are. And it depended on a lot of different things from different people, what world you're in, whether you're New York-centric. But the main thing that we basically realized that we took away from all this is that people can recognize Eli right away and say, that's Eli Manning. People recognize A-Rod right away, but they're not sure about his name. Some people called him Derek Jeter. They were like, I don't know, he's a Yankee. He is the guy that did steroids. He's the guy that dates Ma- like He, They knew so much more about A-Rod, whereas they could just point to Eli's face and say, that's Eli. They maybe knew he had a famous brother, but that's really it. They weren't even really sure what team he played for. And this is, we're going you know, above and beyond the realm of sports fans for our friends and family. So we dug deep and found people who you know, are are very casual sports fans who root for their team and that's basically it and watch their team occasionally. And it was just really interesting because the argument that I had put forth was that even though baseball isn't as popular as football, I think that A-Rod's fame transcends his sport. And so many people across the country know more about A-Rod and he's more of a national story. So people recognize him more, maybe not by name, but by face Sure, 100%. And I think that's the conclusion that we came to. And in the sports world, you know, everyone knows both of them. So that's kind of obsolete. Yeah, I see your, I see your point as to why you think people would recognize A-Rod more. But I'd go back and say NFL more popular than baseball. Right, and that makes and, sense. You know, winning the Super Bowl twice in recent memory as a New York quarterback, you're going to get, like, you, yeah, you get a week of press. And I do think A-Rod has been seen more around the country because of his whole steroids thing. Just He was everywhere. He wasn't just a baseball story that sports networks carried. Newspapers, NBC, uh, every possible media outlet for every time he used PEDs, he was, he was on, he was front page news. Right. He was national news. Whereas Eli, he got a week of news, as so did the rest of the Giants when they won the Super Bowl twice. You'd sort of say people could recognize A-Rod's face because he was everywhere. Right. But because of how big the NFL is, especially as a Super Bowl winning quarterback in New York, mm-hmm. people are probably going to go, oh, that's Eli Manning. But I think that the Yankees, and because A-Rod brought a championship in 2009 to the Yankees, who are America's team, when they hadn't won in a while, they transcend the sport and are bigger than an individual football team. Bigger than the NFL in total? No. But bigger in general than these individual teams because they are America's team and because everyone knows who the Yankees are and because they are, when you think about what sports are in America, you think about the Yankees. For us, we know how big A-Rod was on that team that year, but the face of that team was Derek Jeter. Right. And then the secondary face of that team. And which is so funny because when you show people A-Rod's face, they immediately know that they recognize him but they can't exactly pin his name. They'll go, uh, that's Derek Jeter or that's Rodriguez, that Rodriguez guy. You know, they're not 100% sure who it is. Sure. And right, and that's because Jeter was also so famous and there hasn't been a person on the Giants that has even come close to equaling Eli Manning's fame. Victor Cruz got kind of close 
Odell Beckham Jr. is creeping up close. There's nobody else that touches Eli in terms of recognizability. Yeah, and I, well, it's also because he gets shown on the side. He's the quarterback. The, right. You show everyone shows the quarterback more than you would other players. And that's what somebody's argument was. Although my counter was that he wears a mask the entire game, and in baseball you don't wear. Any yeah, sort Eli's of also recognized for the silly faces that he's like. Every time a camera's on him, he's got a face. The derp face, as people want to call it. It is a derp face. Sure, but he's won two championships, so whatever. Uh, he can have whatever <laughs> face he wants. I so, so. I, I, people That's see what you want to go out as. That's yeah. fine. But the, you got to also factor in the Super Bowl. I think bigger. also his brother being famous and his dad being famous makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think if his he doesn't have a brother in the NFL and his father didn't play in the NFL, he's not any more famous than Jay Cutler. Well, if he won, if he wins two Super Bowls, I think that he gets his own fame. You know how many guys have won Super Bowls that aren't that famous? Yeah, but winning a Super Bowl in New York makes you kind of famous. Let, let's makes be you honest. kind of famous, let's but definitely honest. not on the Alex Rodriguez level. And it's also the fact that when you look at how many people watch the Super Bowl compared to the World Series, it's not even close. Right. All right, coming up next, as we promised, comedian, Mets superfan Jim Brewer is on the phone. Stay tuned. Joined on the phone by comedian and Mets super fan Jim Brewer. What's going on, Jim? I'm doing good, man. Sitting here in the parking lot on my daughter's school, waiting to go see her big project after this. So that's where my life's at right now. What's her big project? I have no clue. I just know she said, You better come in and see it. <laughs> okay. Well, you better, yeah, you better go do that. We're going to have you uh, on the podcast for a couple minutes first, and then you can go into your daughter's school. Is your daughter as big of a Mets fan as you are? Are you guys both in on yes, this together? No, I, I brainwashed everyone. We're all diehard Mets fans. And my littlest one is probably the biggest Mets fan. And what? that's the one I'm going to see in a little bit. And is she, is she dressed up like Mets? How did, where does she rock? When we go to games, she's from head to toe all Mets. If there's a sports thing at school... She's got the whole mech here. So she's really into it. I like that. I like the brainwashing aspect. Who were you brainwashed by? When did you start becoming a huge fan? Uh, when I was four or five years old. I was four, 1973. And I used to watch the Yankees and the Mets, and I still to this day can't figure out why I just gravitate toward the Mets. And I, as a four, five, as a five-year-old child, I can name almost the whole team because I. I loved them that much. It was Rusty Staub and, and uh, Ed Cranepool and Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman and, um, and all these people. It was, I, I remember all that. Yeah, that was a pretty good squad. That was a good team to latch on to to become a fan of when you started becoming a fan, for sure. And then when did you start yeah. doing these Mets videos? I started the whole thing um, last year. It was game. It was game one, and what happened was, um, you know, it, it was a dark time, and out of the dark time, something really big came out of it. And what was going on was, my wife was going through chemo, and while she was going through the chemo and stuff, I remember I was starting to make social media videos, and the social media videos, like you know, I would do some stuff about family and stuff like that and you know they were getting views and and then when she came back from chemo this one time you know she's getting no hair it's her second go around with cancer 
and I'm watching game one. It was Max Scherzer versus Bartolo Colon. Scherzer had a no-hitter, I think, going into the seventh inning. The Nationals just signed him, big contract, and Bartolo was going toe-to-toe with him. And the Mets pulled the game off, and I was going so nuts, like it was game seven of the World Series. And I turned around, and my wife, like, no energy. She she had this this goofy grin on her face, and she was kind of <laughs> chuckling. And I, what is, I said, what's so funny? And she just she kind of pointed her thing, and she, with, with all the energy she can, she goes, this is what you should be doing videos of. The fact of what a nutball fan you are. <laughs> from these Met videos. You should become a broadcaster and you should make a video after every game. I went, every game? No, I'll do this game. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant that she came up with that. And she was the one that said, you got to do every game, every game. And I did. I ended up doing every single game since opening day of last year. Well, you know what they say, behind every smart guy is a way smarter woman. So she's definitely... Oh, God, she's she's brilliant. Yeah. She's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, even with everything I'm doing now, with the record, it's all her. It's all her that has inspired this. She's... I... There's there's not enough great things I can ever say about her. And how is she doing now? Great. She's got her hair growing in and... She looks good. She feels good. We have a lot of fun together. We belly laugh together. She's doing great. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad the Mets are doing well for her now, too. How do you feel about the team so far this year? Uh, I feel like they're in good shape, but they're going to have to make a big move. They're going to have to make a move. They, they're going to have to figure out the catching and third base and first base. They're just going to... They're going to have to make a move for some hitting. And and they're just going to figure out. Uh, it, it's clear that they're not – they can hit homers and they can score big runs, but they're having a very difficult time knocking in the little runs. And that's going to be a problem. If you're Sandy Alderson and you have to make one move from those three positions, what's the move that you're going to make? Well – I would bring in a big bopper. I would try to bring in um, the guy in the White Sox, the third baseman, a Frazier. I'd bring in a Frazier. Okay. I would try to bring in a big bopper out in Colorado um, or make a blockbuster deal and try somehow to land Trout. Wow. Wow. Who are you giving up for Trout? Well, you'd have to trade some big boys. You'd have to trade. You'd have to move, unfortunately, like a Duda. Um, maybe your main catcher. Probably have to give up um, a pitcher, right? Yeah, you're going to have to give up a pitcher you, or, you, two. You, or two. Yeah, and you're going to have to give up one pitcher. And I couldn't tell you who that is, but... Um, I can tell you who it is, and Syndergaard's untouchable. Yeah, it's not Syndergaard. Syndergaard. Syndergaard's untouchable. I wouldn't touch Matt either. I love DeGrom, so I got a little soft spot for him. 
I think every Met fan is very, very leery to see if Harvey's coming back. I, if you were to corner a Met fan, for some reason, none of us believe he's signing with us. For some reason, every Met fan feels that. It's really weird. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, him saying, he said the ultimate bad word. I grew up a Yankee fan. And that puts every Met fan on high alert. Yeah, that's really tough. Well, especially because you don't really know what you're going to get with him. And the same situation with Zach Wheeler. So that's why a lot of Mets fans end up feeling that they could be on the trade block. Because Syndergaard and DeGrom and Mats right now are pretty tried and true. Right. But a fan, Wheeler already made his announcement. I want to be a Met. Don't trade me. Syndergaard, I want to be a Met forever. Mets, I grew up a diehard Mets fan. So you have you have three guys right now that you and we don't know what we're getting with Wheeler. But I, I would I would prefer not to get rid of him because he is gonna be on a mission. He's on a mission. And he's gonna come back on a mission. Yeah, and he, he's been pretty bored recently. We talked to him. I talked to him at a spring training. He's been bored sitting around with not much to do. So, yeah, you're right. He's going to come back, and he's going to be pretty excited to burst out onto that field. Speaking of the pitchers, you were in San Diego for Bartolo's home run. Where does that rank for you in uh, Mets moments that you've seen? You know, it's such a cool community. I feel like I'm visiting my family. About 200 Mets fans came to my show, uh, along with all the San Diego fans. And then when I went to, to be in the outfield with the seven line army was the greatest event to watch Bartolo hit that home run because we didn't have enough tickets for the seven line. Army. I only had one the last second. My daughter wanted to fly out to check out some college and our, another friend. So they came out and they didn't have extra tickets. So I was a little, a little bummed. I was able to get, three tickets, and we were, you know, with Padre fans. And I'm not the one to be big, a big mouth. And I don't like cheering in someone else's house. That, that That's a little rude to me. I hate it when they do it at City Field. It really irritates me, even though they have that right. Mm-hmm. So it was really funny because we were looking at each other and we're watching the seven-line army from the beginning of the game. And my daughter goes, can't we just stand over there? I went, yes, let's go out. <laughs> and we went out there, and they found us seats. And they created seats for us. They got folding chairs. And it was it was awesome. It was freaking to be able to, be able to turn around and look at 1,400 people that feel the same way you do in another state at another ball field. And we're all just witnessed one of the coolest things we've ever seen. It was awesome. Yeah, Darren does an amazing job, the creator of the Seven Line. We were talking about actually having him on the podcast. He has made that essentially, I mean, like you said, into an army. And they are super loyal and they, you know, die hard. They root uh, till they, you know, they pour their heart out every single time they show up. They're, they really are. They're, they're great energy in the ballpark, especially at City Field. And yeah, and then they do these road trips now. It's pretty amazing. Last year during the Mets run to the World Series, what was the most exciting part of that for you? Oh, my God. I would say most exciting part um, was the playoff run. When they hit the World Series, I think the most exciting part was just being there, knowing 
no one expected us to be this far. And would I like to see them win? Of course we all would have. But I'm going to say that was the only loss, like World Series loss, I was content with, meaning the Royals were a better club. They came to play baseball. They came to win. And they were locked and loaded to win by all means. And um, I think it showed where we need to be to actually win. Yeah. And we weren't ready. We weren't ready for that. And I'm, I'm all right with that. We, we beat the best of the best. We got to where we have to be. Um, but this year we got to do better. But the whole thing was just so exciting. So exciting. And I think the one of the most exciting part was watching Syndergaard grow up as a pitcher. Is he your favorite player right now? Do you have a you said you mentioned you have a soft oh, spot God. for DeGrom, but is he your favorite player? I love Syndergaard, but I also love DeGrom. I've <laughs> always loved DeGrom. And um th- those are my two I I love those guys. I was in the stadium the other night when he came in to do the one the one inning to uh, relief and they- you would have thought you would have thought Metallica showed up. It was <laughs> It was, he lit the entire stadium when he came. He's a rock star. He's now officially a rock star. Yeah, they were loud. That was one of the loudest I've heard City Field since that playoff run. It was amazing. Yeah, it was very cool. And it was cool to see him come out and take the mound. You know, and people, because people knew that there was a chance because they had asked Harry pregame whether he was available. And he said, yeah, you know, we're going to try and get him in. And then as soon as he started to warm up, because, you know, you can see the guys in the bullpen, the rumors started spreading. You could hear the whispers. You know, people were spreading it around. And then as soon as he burst out, people went nuts. Yeah, it was, it's an amazing, it's really, it's an amazing situation to, to watch unfold, you know, live at City Field. It was, oh God, it was unreal. It was awesome. That was my favorite part of this year so far, I gotta be honest. Well, you were at City Field this weekend. You threw out the first pitch one of these days this weekend, didn't you? Yeah, that was pretty sick too. That was awesome. <laughs> That was Friday, the first 86 night. And um, it was cool because I've thrown it out before, but you're always out there alone. This is the first time where you ran out with the field, with the players. And DeGrom was standing there. And I just turned to him and I said, um, hey, congrats on your healthy baby. That is huge. I'm so excited for you. And he, his whole demeanor changed. and went, wow, thank you. He was, thank you. And when I just met, I just met your baby in the hallway. Oh my God. I said, you know what? It gives you something to go home to, doesn't it? And he went, yeah, man, you got that right. And I was like, pitch, pitch a good game, man. You're my guy. I love you. He said, thank you. Thank you. And then, um, I threw a strike, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's the most important part, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because 50 Cent is literally mocked now across the internet because he literally, I don't even know where he was looking to throw that pitch. It was god-awful. Yeah, I'm very proud of you for getting that strike. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Jim, tell us a little bit about your new album, Songs from the Garage. You also have a podcast, The Metal in Me, right? What's this podcast about? It's more like your best friends hanging out. You go far and wide, but the, the, uh, it's, it's a lot of my band members and my wives, and it was part of a promo. I thought, what better way 
to learn about a band and follow the process of their recording, who these guys are, who's really best friends, and what they're about. And so that's why I started that. And we do game shows with a lot of guests. We do a lot. Like last week was more of a heavy podcast. I got into some deeper layers of me and where it, it just allows me to be, it, it's, it allows me to be the person I am with my very best friend. No one's around and talk about what I really want to talk about. Well, that's and really important too, because it can be like therapy almost, but also give your fans a look yeah. behind the scenes of what's going on with the album. And the album's amazing too. Thank you. And, and I think it's one of proud. I, I'm, beyond ecstatic and beyond proud of this project. And one of the songs I wanted to be the battle cry for the Mets last year. <laughs> and we were and we were in talks of rushing the song so we can get out there in case they won the World Series. And that song was Who's Better Than Us. Wow. Well, we can make that happen this year maybe. That could be uh something I, to work towards. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Hey, Jim, before we let you go, we have everyone on the podcast, all of our guests, tell an embarrassing story. Any chance you've got an embarrassing story for us that you can tell? My God, there's a million embarrassing stories. <laughs> um, I remember coming out on stage once after I just dropped a deuce. <laughs> and I literally went out on stage with the toilet paper hanging out of my pants. And I had no... <laughs> I had no clue. It was in Atlantic City, and everyone was laughing already. And I, you know, because people laugh at me because I look like I'm high, so I just assumed it's that. But they just kept laughing. Then there was an awkward murmur. I couldn't figure out what everyone's problem was. And then all of a sudden, a little piece cut off, and it almost did like a leaf falling as it sways back and forth. <laughs> And it landed in front of me, and I picked it up, and I realized it was hanging out of my pants. And a fifteen-minute bit, like you people do, I had this hanging out of me, and you didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I, I don't know if, yeah, and it was pretty embarrassing. I've also, um, where was I? Oh, I'll give you a good one. It was not too long ago. I ate an Italian restaurant with a lot of garlic. And this was on stage, and uh, I was farting so bad <laughs> to the point where it was silent. You know, I was in between bits, and that fart came out so loud. <laughs> I, I knew the first two rows heard it, and they did hear it, and I had to just acknowledge it. I went, you heard that, right? And they just started dying. <laughs> <laughs> I had to explain what just happened. I went, yeah, man, I just, sorry. Oh, God. There's times where I had farts so bad, I can see the people in the front row going, ew, oh, my God, it smells horrible. <laughs> I, so I stopped having dinner before shows because I crop dust the first row. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. Uh, Jim, you are hilarious. Fans, check out the Metal in Me podcast and also his new album, Songs from the Garage. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Let's go get a snack.